listening to the Refinery Church Podcast. Each message is from our most recent weekend service located on our downtown Brea campus. We hope you are encouraged and strengthened from today's episode. Now for a timely message from Senior Pastor Kelly Fellows. Um, hey, we are in this new series, as you can see, called Identity. Everybody say Identity. This series is going to lead us right up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday in April. And uh, you talked about our covenant series that we got into, Rhonda. It was powerful. It set many people free and helped them to understand. This series right here is going to help you uh, discover who you really are, your true identity. It is power-packed series of messages you do not want to miss. As a matter of fact, if you do miss uh, Sunday gathering in person, even if you're out in the tent, you can always follow us online. We have a couple here that this morning that found us online and they said, man, I want to come in person and be a part of what God's doing here. So we're so glad that you're here as well with us today. Um, I want to start uh, by you taking that card that was there on your seat. Everybody grab your own card right there and grab a pen out of the seat back in front of you. I want to start this series and have you do a little exercise, a little activity. Take a look on the screen. Take your card, and I want you to simply write on the top, I am. I am. And then go ahead and put three to five little dashes on those lines. All right? I am at the top. And then go ahead and put three, or three to five little dashes, at least three, maybe five, maybe more if you want to. And I have a question for you as you're writing that. Where do you find your identity? Is it in activities that you participate in? I had a friend who's a golfer. Man, I'm, I'm a golfer. I'm a golfer. His identity is in golf. And, and of course, if his, if his score is too high, he feels bad about himself. If his score is nice and low, he's going, yeah, I'm feeling good about me. Why? Right? Because right? I'm a golfer. If I asked the question, who are you? How would you respond? You might say, I am a surfer. I am a son. I am a daughter. I, I am a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a surgeon. I'm a student. How would you fill that in? So I want you to go ahead and do that right now. Take a few minutes and just write in there. What are you? Who are you? If I ask you this question and go ahead and answer that. I am. I am. This is for you. We're not going to be testing you on this and we're not going to be putting it up on the screen saying, oh, this is what Elijah said. I didn't know you thought that about yourself. Who do you say you are? Now, once you've written down a few of those, two, three, four, five, however many you feel comfortable with, I want you to go ahead and write a, a number. Go ahead and rank it right next to it and circle that number. Number one, what would you say would be the number one identifier of who you say you are? Who do you say you are? And number one, then go ahead and put number two if you want to. Feel free to rank those in order. The brain wheels are spinning. I can see them. I love it. My perspective of here is really good. If you're online, outside the tent, you have cards too. So take some time to do that. I want you to hold on to this card now. We're going to hold on to this for the entire series. Stick it in your life journal. And I want you to refer back and remember that first Sunday that we begin to speak about this. Because you're going to reference it back and you're going to look and go, is this who I am? Or maybe you'll be proud about it. Maybe you want to be more of who you say you are. Uh, matter of fact, let's do something. Let's do something because we got a couple minutes here. I'm just going to go get a couple of people who feel comfortable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it off. If I were writing my card, I would say, I am a dad. 
That's something that I identify with. It's something that I am proud of. I love my daughters, and I find value in that. Anybody else want to say what, what they wrote? I am. Somebody, yeah. Mary. I'm lo- I am loved. Oh, I like that. I like that. Somebody else. I am. Teacher. I am a teacher. All right. All right. Elijah. Creative. I am what? Creative. creative. I am creative. That's good. Yes. Caregiver. I am a caregiver provider. Oh, that's good. That's good. Somebody else. Yeah, Matt. I am my opinions and beliefs. Oh, okay, very good. Let's get one more. Somebody else who says, I am. Yeah, Pete. I am a Christian. There you go. Very good. These are good. These are good. Here's what I want you to do over the next several weeks. I want to challenge you on your identity. I want to challenge you to look where you find value and where you find purpose. I want to encourage you that you are more than you think of yourself, that you are more than what others say of you. You are more than how culture wants to define you. Over the next several weeks, I want to encourage you to find out your true identity. Because in Jesus Christ, when we dive into the word, we're going to find out that your past does not define you. Understand that? Your failures don't disqualify you. Your shortfalls should not limit you. Because listen, and I'm going to say this over, you're going to hear this every single week until you believe it so deeply that you walk with confidence. In Christ, you are a new creation. Everybody say new. One, two, three. You have a clear purpose and you have a true identity. That's why it says this. That's why the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write these words in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Take a look on the screen. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. A new person. The old is gone and the new life has begun. The Bible is very clear where we find our true identity Activity, roles and responsibilities, those are good. But where we find our true identity, according to scripture, is in him. In him, Jesus Christ. That's why later on, uh, the Holy Spirit says in the book of Acts, take a look at Acts 17, 28, says this, for in him, that is Jesus Christ, we live and move and have our being or our identity. Who are you as a human being? It is in him we live and move and have our being. Well, Pastor Kelly, why is this so important that you spend weeks on that? Why would you spend time exploring through scripture on this? Well, because I believe many people, particularly Christians, are struggling with their identity and have an identity crisis. Our self-concept, our, our self-perception is low. Young people that I interact with on a regular basis, dealing and struggling with depression and anxiety. Why? Because they don't know who they are. They've allowed other outside circumstances and influences and opinions shape their identity. Other people's opinions have shaped your identity. Your past failures have tarnished your self-perception. And when you don't know who you really are, 
You'll feel like a ship just kind of blowing in the wind. Wherever the wind blows, that's where you go because you have no real true north, no true course. It's easily, you're easily deceived and you feel lost and taken advantage of. It's true. So that's why I want to spend time on this. And I believe you may say, well, I have a good, strong self-concept. I, I know who I am. Good. This message is going to encourage you and hopefully give you an opportunity to speak life to somebody else that may be struggling. So let's get started for the next few minutes before I wrap it up today. I want to get started with someone from the Bible who can absolutely positively relate to an identity crisis. His story is found in the Old Testament. It's actually very much at the very beginning of the Old Testament. It's in the second book of the Bible called Exodus. And his name is Moses. Everybody say Moses. Moses. I love saying Moses. I remember years ago, a comedian did a little comedy routine about God speaking. And he'd put the mic really close to his mouth. He'd go, Moses. Ooh. He filled the auditorium. Ever since then, whenever I think about God speaking, I think of that voice. If you're following along in our life journals, we're in the book of Genesis right now, and next week we jump over into the book of Exodus. And so I'm going to give you a little teaser as you do follow along in our Bible reading together. We're going to be jumping into it, and we're going to get started a little bit early. Let me dig into this and kind of unpack a little bit about what I'm going to talk about. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, we find and we discover God's people, the Hebrew people. They've been enslaved by the king of Egypt. His name was Pharaoh. King Pharaoh realized that these people that were living in his country were growing exponentially, and he was concerned that they would take over Egypt. And so he puts them under bondage. He puts them into slavery and basically says, you will be our workforce. You will build Egypt, and upon your backs... We will build the pyramids and the great structures of Egypt. In chapter 2, we read about a young baby who is born to a Hebrew mom. She puts him out on the river because Pharaoh said he was going to kill off all the firstborn sons. She was concerned for her son, so she puts him out on a little boat and sends him down the Nile. She's, the baby is picked up by Pharaoh's household and raised in Pharaoh's household. And we discover the, light, the birth life and... Uh, experiences of Moses. We get to the end of chapter two. It's really a quick read. And Moses, in an effort to help the Hebrew people, murders an Egyptian, and he goes on the run. Great story. Beautiful story. Maybe some of you have seen it when they've made movies about it. I would highly recommend getting into Exodus. We jump into chapter three, and now we find Moses, a fugitive from Egypt, who'd committed an Egyptian crime, and he runs out and he hides out in the wilderness of Egypt and becomes a shepherd. He goes from the beautiful courts of Egypt into the wilderness of Egypt. And there he lives for 40 years. Talk about an identity crisis. Born a Hebrew. Raised in the Egyptian courts. With privilege. Then he commits a crime and now he's a fugitive. Who am I? Am I a Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian? Am I a criminal? Who am I? And the Bible picks up in chapter 3, and God is about to redefine and give Moses his true identity. One day as he was shepherding his flock of sheep, he has a meeting and an encounter with God. 
And after this meeting, he'd never be the same. After this meeting, he would have his true identity. The Bible says there in Exodus chapter 3 in the first few verses that Moses is out and he sees something off in the distance and he sees something glowing. So he makes his way a little bit closer and he sees that there's a fire. But the bush that's on the fire, the bush that's burning in the fire, isn't being consumed by the fire. So Moses is like, this is bizarre. I've never seen something like this. And he moves in a little bit closer. And as he moves in a little bit closer, he hears something coming from the fire. And not just the crackling of embers, but a wind and a voice begins to emanate. And he hears these words in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 9 through 15. And I'm going to invite you to look on the screen with me and let's read together. And let's amplify the voice of God with our own voices and speak God's word out loud. Let's all read this together. Ready? Begin. Look. The cry of the people of... Oh, do we have it? Let's go up here. I'm sorry, guys. Exodus chapter 3. There we go. On the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Pause there for a second. Do you hear it? Do you hear the identity crisis that's going on inside of Moses? Who am I? Who am I? Moses felt defeated. He felt like he was a fugitive. And he recognizes that this must be God that's speaking to me. Who am I that you would use me? I'm just a shepherd on the run. I blew it so bad. He'd blown it back in Egypt, and now all he saw himself as was an insignificant shepherd living in obscurity with no future, no hope. Who am I, God, that you would use me? But God was going to reveal his true identity and where he found his purpose, where he found his calling and his identity. Now you can follow along with me. I'll go ahead and read it and you can follow along and I'll just, I'll read. God answered this and said, I will be with you. I could pause right there and I could spend the entire time just simply with those few words. I will be with you. I will be with you. Somebody here needs to hear that today. Needs to hear God say, I will be with you. Rhonda, I will be with you, the Lord says. I will be with you. Then God goes on to say, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. You're going to bring them right back here. Where you met me, you will bring them back and they will meet me, is what God is saying. But Moses protested. See, Moses wasn't done yet. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, oh, really? What is his name then? If you have this close relationship with him, who is he? Who is he? 
then what should I tell them? And I love this. God doesn't get offended at Moses. God doesn't say, how dare you even ask me that? Don't you know who I am? God replies and says, I am who I am. Now, that's hard to understand in English. It's like, that doesn't make sense. When we speak English words like that, it's like, well, I am who I am? What is he, Dr. Seuss? <laughs> Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. I am what I am. No, that's not what this is. God replies and says, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you to. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the same God that was with them has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to be remembered for all generations. God, the God of the universe, the God who spun this earth and all of the universe into existence gives a name. You know, there's something precious about names. You know that? Matter of fact, when I, when I work with kids, um, oftentimes when I would speak at camps, I would go back to these camps year after year after year. And I used to hate this, but I understood why they would do this. Kids would run up to me, hey, Pastor Kelly, you're back. What's my name? <laughs> ah, hey, buddy. And I would, I mean, we're talking hundreds of kids, right? Camp of 400 kids. The next year, there's another 400 kids. Some of their faces look familiar. Some look like, well, you were like this tall. Now you're this tall. And they, they you know, they press me. What's my name? What's my name? What's my name? And finally, I'd be waiting. Somebody say his name. Somebody say, Billy, Billy, your name is Billy. Good job, man. Thank you for saying that. And I realized that I need to work on remembering names. Why? Because names are important. Names mean that there's a relational connection. And God says, here is my name. The Hebrews wrote God's name like this. If you're a Hebrew person, you would recognize this as the name of God. This is the name of God in Hebrew script. We translate that into English, four letters. Take a look on the screen. Y-H-W-H. Now, we, in English, don't like words without vowels. We look at that and go, uh, hmm, uh, you uh, you uh, you uh. We don't know how to pronounce that. So we go ahead and throw some vowels in there, and we go ahead in English and pronounce it Yahweh. Yahweh. That's the English translation, and maybe you've heard that term used in churches. Matter of fact, even when we read that portion of scripture at the very end, it said Yahweh, because we wanted to translate it into English so that our English brains could understand this. In actuality, the way this word and these letters would form a name would sound something more along the lines of Yahweh. That sound like something? What does that sound like to you? <gasps> what is that? Breathing. Breathing. I wasn't there with Moses. I didn't get to hear what he heard. But based on the Hebrew and based on what we've heard over the centuries, 
I believe that when God was asked what his name was, I believe what Moses heard was, the breath of God. And why do I believe that? Because it is the breath of God that brings life. When there's death, it's the breath of God that revives and brings life. Remember back in Genesis chapter 2? Genesis chapter 2, it says that God had made everything. It was beautiful and wonderful, and it was good. Then he takes some dirt, and like a master craft pottery maker takes the mud and the clay and begins to shape a head and some shoulders and a torso and some legs and some feet and some little toes, and he begins to create humanity. And at one point, he looks at this and goes, oh, that's good, but it needs something else. I would imagine God. I know what he needs. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, take a look. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. And it says he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. And the man became a living being, a living person. It was the breath of God that brought life. So that's why I believe when Moses says, well, who should I say? I believe what Moses heard was, God was bringing life where there had been death. When God spoke to Moses, God breathed his name. And you know what? Moses was transformed. He would never be the same after experiencing the breath of God. His true identity had been revealed. When he went back to Egypt, he didn't go back to Egypt as a fugitive. He didn't go back to Egypt as a shepherd. He didn't go back to Egypt even as a little Hebrew. He went in the name of <gasps> Why is that significant? Well, well, Moses knew that whenever you present it, see, he grew up in the courts of the king. He grew up in the courts of Pharaoh. He knew when messengers or delegates would come from foreign lands, that they would stand before the Pharaoh and they would say, I come in the name of King Woohoo and from the land of Yabadoo to, you know, and they would list out all these things. I come in the name of, from the land of, the realm of, the firstborn of his name that was. They come in a name. Because in their own name, there's not a lot of power. But in the name of the king, there's power. In the name of the king, there's authority. In the name of the king, there's resources. So Moses knew what he was saying when he asked, who should I say sent me? That's why he asked God's name. He knew he needed authority. He knew he needed power. He knew he needed a purpose. And that purpose, that power, That authority comes in the name of Yahweh. Yahweh. He got it. He got it. And he would go back to Egypt in the limitless name of I am. That's how we translate Y-H-W-H. We translate it into I am. He went back to Egypt and stood before the Hebrew people in the unchanging name of I am. Not I was, not I will be, but I am. He stood before Pharaoh in the almighty name 
of I am. I come in the name of I am. His identity was no longer as a shepherd. His identity was no longer as a fugitive. His identity was no longer even as a Hebrew. He came in the name of the almighty, the limitless, the unchanging I am, Yahweh. This was now his identity. Tatiana. Moses would no longer identify as an exiled immigrant or a fugitive. His new identity was now and forever established in the name of God. That's what the Holy Spirit meant when he had Luke write down these words in Acts 17. I'm going to say it again. Take a look on the screen. Acts 17, 28. For in him, Jesus Christ, we live and move and have our being. You fill out your little card. I am a dad. I am a daughter. I am a son. I'm a worker. I'm a carpenter. I'm a fill it in. God wants you to begin to see that you are more than any of that. That your identity is found in him. And because of who he is, you can be. Over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack what this means. Where our true identity lies. You're a card. It may change. That's okay. You may emphasize because I, because you are a father, I am a father. Because you are a faithful father, I am a faithful father. You see, we're going to fully understand what it means because he is, I am, and we are. Would you pray with me? Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for revealing your very nature to humanity. You were not like the old 80s song says, watching from a distance. Unconnected, unattached, uncaring, off in some way off universe, continuing just to make planets. But God, you came down to earth and with Moses, you revealed your personal name. But you didn't even leave it there, God, because a few hundred years later, you would literally step out of heaven and you would take on a human form. And this new name that you would receive would be a name that is above all names, Jesus Christ. And that, that at that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus, you are Yahweh. So Lord, today we say thank you for revealing yourself centuries ago, for coming to this earth and giving your life for us. And over the next several weeks, Lord, I pray that we would open up our hearts and minds to the scriptures to see that our identity is not in what we do, not what others say, but in who you are and who I am in you. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed by today's message. 
For more great content and information about Refinery Church, find us at wearerefinery.com and our socials, We Are Refinery. If you would like to help support and give to the ministry, visit our website at wearerefinery.com forward slash give. See you on our next episode at the Refinery Church Podcast.